Hi there, coaches. Brian Blackburn here with the Pound the Rock podcast. As always, we want to thank our sponsors through hardwoodtexas.com, your nonstop 24-7 stop shop for high school basketball. Today we have uh, uh, an illustrious basketball player, Philip Forte III. Uh, Phil Forte uh, played college basketball at Oklahoma State University. Uh, he's scored uh, 1,746 points in his college career, sixth in school history at Oklahoma State. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of stats I can say here about Phil. He had a 95.5% uh, free throw shooting percentage uh, in 2016-17. That's the fourth best free throw percentage in in a single season in NCAA history. Uh, Phil was the uh, 2012 5A state tournament ch champion as well as MVP. Uh, scoring 24 points against uh, Fort Ben Travis, uh, two-time state champion, three-time uh, all-state player. So, Phil, uh, I don't know what else I can say about you, man, but you're, uh, <laughs> you had a great career and uh, you turned yourself into a great player. And I was, I'm, on, I'm honored mm -hmm. to have an opportunity to, to know you and call you a friend. And, and uh, thanks for joining mm -hmm. us on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I know we've been trying to make this thing work for about probably six months now. Right. So now that the season's over, things have kind of slowed down. And um, So glad to be here, glad to uh, join the podcast and, um, you know, ready to kind of just kind of tell my story and help any um, kids, coaches out there that I can. Awesome, Phil. Well, one thing uh, I, I wanted to start off with, you know, you are, you are not the uh, prototypical college basketball player you know your builds your size uh your your story your route is a little bit unique and so i just wanted to start off from the beginning uh what made you fall in love with basketball when did that start and how did that happen um you know i think growing up i played i played soccer as well and that was my maybe my main sport you know basketball and soccer growing up and so you just go back and forth like most kids playing you know multiple sports and I got into football in middle school as well and you know eventually I think going into uh, my freshman year of high school I think is you know when I really took it serious to um, a, a, another level just because I had a chance to play varsity as a freshman and I was thinking about playing football at the time but when I realized I had that opportunity to play varsity um, as a freshman, I knew that I had to completely focus on basketball. And no matter what level you're at, being able to play any level of varsity sports at a, as a freshman is a great achievement. And so I knew how hard that was and how hard I was going to have to work in order to be successful uh, at a young age playing older older kids. And so that's, I think, when it really hit me is eighth grade going into my freshman year. Uh, that summer is, I think, when I really locked in and started uh, putting all my focus and all my attention into basketball. That's great, man. Now, how how big were you as a freshman? Oh, I was I was little. Um, obviously, the the smallest guy on the court, which <laughs> that never changed. I was always height wise the, the littlest guy on the court from middle school into college and. That was something I was used to, and that's why I spent so much time trying to develop a outside shot is because that was the only way that I had a chance to be successful in the game of basketball when height, athleticism do so much and are so impactful in the game. So I knew how to make up with that in my shooting. 
And so I just put hours and hours into, you know, shooting the basketball, shooting it the right way, getting thousands and thousands of shots up over uh, my career. And so that's just, that's, I kind of took pride in that. And I knew that was my ticket to being able to uh, play this game at a high level. Yeah. And that's, that's a really good point to, to kids. Like you can never have enough shooters. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. the, as, absolutely. As, and now that you're coaching and, and you're kind of in that role, you see like, man, if that guy had a jump shot, you know, that, <laughs> that'd be the difference maker. And so the the fact that you put that time in and, and did those things to become a great shooter, I think it's unnatural. I think you're, you are unnatural mm-hmm. in your work ethic, but uh, you know, I, I want to, tell the coaches just from what I saw by the time you were a senior it's not that you tapered Mm -hmm. off your work it's you know you you found really good times to do it it's not like you didn't have a social life it's not like you didn't have a girlfriend it's not like you know you had to completely Mm -hmm. isolate yourself to be a great shooter but you just had to make time to do it and so do you want to talk a little bit about that maybe your your Mm -hmm. schedule your routine maybe how you kind of manage that and and you still had a social life it's not like you were a hermit you know you didn't lock yourself in the gym right. uh, so go ahead and just right. t- tell tell the audience a little bit about maybe your your routine and mm-hmm. how that evolved as you got older yeah I definitely think you know there's this huge myth of you know going to the gym and spending you know six seven hours if you're going and working really hard during that time that you're in the gym there's no way you could do it for six or seven hours. There's just no way. And so I think you just have to manage time. I would get up before school, you know, anywhere from um, 45 minutes to an hour. I was very fortunate, though, to either have my dad or a manager rebound for me before school. So I was very big on time efficiency, so I really got my own rebound. So I was very spoiled there. And then after practice, I would stay and probably, you know, for another – probably about an hour after practice. And so, you know, it's really during the season, that is. You know, right. summer's a little different. You have much more free time. But, you know, during the season, you know, it's two hours, and that's not that – out of 24. So it's really not that much. But during those two, um, there was a purpose. I had a plan behind every single thing that I was doing. And I think that's the biggest thing with kids these days is going into the gym, having a plan, having a purpose. And it could be 30 minutes. It could be 40 minutes. You could get a lot done in that amount of time, as long as you know what you're doing and there's a purpose behind that time that you're in the gym. So that's, I think, the biggest thing for kids growing up is it's not, you know, walking in and, you know, spending, oh, I just spent three, four hours at the gym. Well, what would you get done in that time there? You could get done in 45 minutes what some kids get done in three hours, and that's a big mistake. I see a lot of kids making it day. Yeah. I can tell that you're getting old, Phil, because you just said kids these days. And so now, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah switching sides a little bit. No yeah. doubt, no doubt. That's a good um, point. Yeah. yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about maybe your improvement. Um, you know, I, I, I've told coaches before about your work ethic, and you know, when I came into the mix, it was it was a totally different, um, I guess, time for you individually, and it was a totally different time mm-hmm. for the program at Marcus because you guys had already been to two state tournaments you already won one and so for you individually if I remember correctly we were just kind of changing your shot to more of a jump shot compared to a set Mm -hmm. shot and that was really my only goal with you individually as a player was I'm just going to help you become a better jump shooter and we were just going to put in those reps 
and uh, and so I came in after you all of most of your development happened. Um, I would say so. Talk about your improvement as a player. Uh, when did you see the most improvement? When did you jump? When did your game? Did you feel like your game skyrocketed? Yeah. Was it over the, one of the summers? Was it during a season? Mm -hmm. um, so when did when did you see the the biggest gains? I guess in your development. Um, I would say either going into my junior or senior year in high school, my, um, my first two years, obviously I was known as a shooter and uh, I had put so much work into that and I became very good at it. I did. But, you know, as you get older, you know, the scout reports and people try to take stuff away and I kind of realized, you know, I have to evolve my game to try to keep the defense off balance. And, you know, obviously if I wanted to play at the college level, I need to be able to handle the ball. I need to be able to stay in front of my man and you know those type of things and um i'd probably say you know going into my junior year i, I got a lot of i got a lot stronger that summer um, i kind of matured physically came into my body a little bit my ball handling got better i got more confident putting the ball on the floor and then kind of like you said um going into my senior year then it was more just kind of fine-tuning a bunch of individual things you can never become too good a ball handler. I'm a believer in that. You could always become a better ball handler. Um, ball handling is might be more important than shooting a basketball. Um, and so for me, you know, just continuing to work on that and then just you know, floaters, step backs, um, little ways to create my own shot. And then kind of, as you mentioned, just being able to shoot a jump shot. And um, as I kind of got older, there was times I learned, you know, I, I could, when I was just catching and shooting off of a driving kick, it'd be kind of be my normal jump shot because I could just catch and shoot it in the same spot um, and get it off quick. And, you know, any other time, though, if I'm coming off a screen, if I was pulling up off the dribble, I learned to try to elevate because the guy that's guarding me, especially when I got to college, was 6'6", probably. <laughs> so I had to be able to get that off, and I'm realistically probably 5'10". So... That was that was definitely something that took time um, to build off of. And obviously, as you get stronger, you develop uh, more of a base in your lower body. Being able to jump and elevate on your shot kind of comes with that. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a good point. It's a process, and it's not all going to happen at once. And, you know, just for the audience, you know, Phil just kind of outlined that that it was, a, it was kind of a hierarchy. So he, he became a great shooter first. Uh, then he then he became uh, an outstanding ball handler. Then he got stronger. Then he improved as a defender because of that. Then he could then he could fine tune. And is that is, I mean is that basically kind of the the process, Phil? Did did you feel like that? I mean, mm -hmm. as a player. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I was just very. I always wanted to know what I could improve on. And there's always something. They each summer always try to take one or two things and try to almost turn it into a strength and just really try to improve on that, especially when you're in high school. And, you know, even in college, basketball players, I firmly believe, are made during the summer. You don't have class, so you have way more free time to spend in the gym, and so you can really devote a lot of individual skill development during the summer. And so that was what I took a lot of pride in during the summer, and that was kind of my two-month gap to really improve. I hit it really hard, um, three, four workouts a day maybe, you know, summer strength, conditioning type stuff we did a lot of stuff with our high school you know so that made it easy so I was just constantly working on something um and, and so that's what I think that's my biggest thing is summer is just 
the the time to really work on your individual game before you start getting in the team concept of school ball. But it's kind of funny, you know, you talk about the prog the progression I made as a shooter and being able to build off that. And that's you know, I did that in high school, and I go to college, and I almost repeat that whole cycle back over. Wow. Again, you know, it's just at a different it's just at a different level. You know, I get there, and you have a role, and you slowly build, and you grow into a bigger role as you become a junior and, and a senior. Um, but you just, and I think it's just um, you know, as a player, you always have to want to improve. There's always something you can become better at. And um, I, I always took that very personal into the, into the summertime. One thing about Phil that, you know, like I said, I came in late into the picture, but I was blessed to, to coach him and just to see him work. And I was I was still single. I, I got engaged when I was at Marcus uh, as a coach. And I, so I was there with Phil some, some nights shooting. And, and uh, mm -hmm. Phil's, Phil's work ethic was one that um, if you showed Phil a move, and Phil thought that that move could help him, and so for me it was it was that double jab, and then and then that little step back, that little fade. Once you kind of got at that eight feet range, mm -hmm. um, right. I, right? I would show Phil that move once, and uh, then Phil would take it upon himself to master that move by by the end of the week. And so now, if it was something that like, uh, oh, there was one thing I talked to you about Phil, and I can't remember exactly what it was. It might have been a a two foot floater because you were good at the one foot floater. It might have been the two foot floater, and right. we talked about it, and you were like, "Nah." <laughs> and so, you know, <laughs> like Phil Phil was aware enough as a player yeah. to recognize the relevance of what was going to help him individually, and I think that's a big uh, aspect of, mm -hmm. of being a really good high school player is that awareness of understanding. Okay, this is my role, and these are the things that are going to help me. And Phil was keen on those types of things, and. And I think it made him a great high school player, and then his work ethic kind of carried him on to being one of the best college shooters of all time. I mean, Phil, that's crazy to say, but it's true. You know, like you are one of the best shooters of all time in college basketball, and uh, and you earned that right because of the work that you put in. Can you talk a little bit about the transition from you, – you mentioned it a second ago, from high school to college, you had to repeat that process mm -hmm. – what what did you change? For instance, uh, by the time you were a, a sixth year senior or seventh year senior or whatever you were, you're a ninth year senior. You were kind of like Perry Ellis. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, were you were you yeah. a vocal leader? Uh, were you uh, were you mm -hmm. the guy that guys were looking to? Uh, is that it? Was that an unfamiliar role? You know, how did your role? How did mm -hmm. your game change by the time you were finished with your career? Yeah, as I mentioned, you know, you kind of repeat that whole process over. Um, I came in as a freshman. I'll never forget that summer we took a trip to Spain for a foreign trip. And, um, you know, you get two weeks of practice. You go over there in 10 days, play four games. And I'll never forget going over there. And I came back. And I remember calling my dad and almost in, almost in tears of, I can't play here. I can't do it. I went over there and I played almost about as bad of a stretch of basketball as I played my whole life. Probably <laughs> did. And there was just a lot going on. There's a new system, new coaches, new teammates. And I was just almost overwhelmed as a lot of freshmen are when they first get here into college. And um, and I just remember, I told him, I can't play here. There's no way I'm going to make it. And I'm looking over my best friend, Marcus, is you know, already the best player on the team. And I'm like, I can't, I can't play here. 
And, you know, those two weeks, though, the practices in the summer definitely helped me get used to the system a little earlier. And, you know, as time went on, you know, I, I just kept working. I stayed with my routine. You know, we had a couple guys go down with injuries early, season-ending injuries. One broke his wrist, one tore uh, top his Achilles and was out for the year. Next thing you know, first, second game of the year, I'm the second guy off the bench as a freshman. And here I am two months ago thinking I'm not going to play at all. And so, you know, I, I, used, I just stayed the course. I just worried about the things that I could control. And as, as a freshman, especially, I knew if I could just do one thing great and I would shoot the basketball, that will get me on the floor. And that's what it did. Just being able to shoot the ball got me minutes, uh, way more minutes than I probably ever would have thought of as a freshman. And, um, and obviously, my sophomore year, we had a very talented team. Um, we were top five in the country for a couple months that year. And, um, and then going into my, to my junior and senior year is probably where I had to make that next step again. You know, I was more of a uh, one or two scoring option on our team from that point. I had to be more than just a just a catch-and-shoot guy. I had to be able to put on the floor a little bit. And luckily, I was playing for a coach at the time, Coach Ford, who does a great job in developing players, um, especially from the guard position. And so just being able to create my own shot and developing that and the leadership aspect was probably the biggest challenge I had ever had in basketball and playing. And, you know, in high school, um, I played with Marcus, and he was the most vocal guy on the court. Everyone will tell you that. That's just how he is. I just kind of went about my thing. I would say something if I had to. I kind of led by example. Right. And I just – and then, you know, my and then my last two years, it really changed. I had to become a very vocal leader. And um, that was something that definitely took time that I had to work on. And it's something that was not shaped overnight. And um, it's like being a leader is like anything. It's like developing a jump shot. It's like working on a floater. It's like becoming strong in the weight room. You have to practice it and it takes time. And that was probably my biggest challenge. And then I think just being older, you know, that I got hurt and I came back to my fifth year. I'm 20, playing at 23, and we have guys who are 18. Right. You know, so I'm five years older than some of my teammates and five years older than guys I'm playing against. And so I think more confidence just came with that knowing that I was just so much more mature and I, I think that kind of gave me that confidence and a leadership aspect over time that's good insight man thank you the uh you know the thing I was going to mention about your your style of leadership you know you weren't necessarily vocal as a senior in high school and yeah Marcus was the most vocal guy but there were like three or four other dudes that talked all the time too you know John Malone was mm -hmm. super vocal Jordan Johnson was super vocal like there were other guys on that team where you could be a leader and you could stay in your comfort zone. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad you got to do that because that helped. I think that helped you become just a just a super confident player in high school. And uh, and I don't know if you were ready for like if Marcus wasn't there and, and Coach Henderson and Coach Bourne and I were harping on you to be the guy vocally like that might have been that might have been tough, don't you think? Yeah, and I do think that was it was it was something that was demanded out of me. You know, I, Coach Ford talked about it. I remember when I was going through that um, progression, and when Underwood came in and he took over, that was something. You know, when team when guys named captains and stuff, as that kind of unfolded, you know, that's something I knew that 
I had to do. And, and, and as a leader, you have to make sure that you do everything else right. You can't lead if you're not showing a workout up to workouts on time, if you're missing class, if you're failing, if, you know, you're constantly bickering with the coaches and you have an attitude. That's not a, if you can't do all that stuff and take care of yourself, then you will never be a leader. So first off, you have to make sure that you're right. Because you, everyone else has to follow you. So if you're not taking care of your responsibility, then, you know, no one else is going to listen to what you're saying. And so I think as a – I had that. That was the easy part, honestly, for me. The hard part was being able to, you know, vocally sometimes challenge my teammates. I was I got good at talking to them, encouraging them. But there becomes a time where you might have to grab your teammate by the jersey and kind of get him going and saying, hey, you're not doing your job. We need you to pick it up. And so – I kind of, I finally realized that there's times that I ha- I would have to do that. And because I took care of all my other business, because I was right, my teammates knew what I stood for, how much time I put into it, they allowed me to do that with no backlash. Right. And so there comes a lot with being a leader, and it comes in so many different styles. And there's not necessarily a right or wrong way. Just like in coaching, so many coaches coach a different way. But I think just being able to communicate and have those relationships with your teammates or players is what makes makes a difference at the end of the day that's good man i'm glad man i'm so happy that you got to experience some of the things you did i'm just going to throw some rapid fire questions at you real quick and we don't have to go into Mm -hmm. a ton of detail but uh what was your favorite game you played in college at kansas my freshman year (laughs) no doubt we uh, ended up ended up winning that game they were Number two in the country, they won like 58 straight games or something like that. Alan Fieldhouse, we went in there and upset them on national TV. So that's yep. my favorite memory. I was at that far. one. That's the one we went to. We, we should have we should have gave you more tickets then. We should have had you at every Man, other game. I was there for two that's out of those, those three losses. We beat them in 07, and then they lost one more. And that's then right. AC Law, corner three over Brandon Rush. No I remember doubt. that. No doubt. Stomp used to be the, used to be a KU fan. So uh, I know, I know. I remember I know. that. So that's what made it better. That's what used made it to. Used to. Used to. Keyword used to. Yeah, <laughs> used to. Yeah. 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 Uh, what made Coach Henderson such a good coach for for you and your and the guys at Marcus? I get that question all the time, and I just think just his demeanor. You know, he just had a way of connecting with us. He just. Um, he was intense, but he was never really, you were around him, you know, he never, I could maybe think of three times throughout the year where he really jumped us, right. you know, and so those three times he did, it worked because like, okay, wow, this really got our attention. But I, I, I just think he had a way of getting us to, to buy into a system, into a team. And he had a relationship with all of us too, as well off the court, but we knew when we stepped in between those lines, he just gets this look. And everyone, if you play, he just, you know it. He just gets this intense look. And he just he just coaches the right way. He does. He's about the right thing. And the way that he gets his message across is a way, as a player, it makes you want to play for him. And um, I enjoyed every second yeah. uh, of my time playing for him. And I honestly could not think of one player that would disagree with that. What, uh, what made Coach Ford such a good coach for you? Uh, for me, I, I had a. It was, I think, our relationship and knowing that he played, and you know, he played my position. He was very similar yes. physically to what I was, and so even through the recruiting process, that was big for me. He knew what it took to be successful as a shorter, um, not quite as athletic guard at a high level, and I, I knew he believed in me when a lot of other schools 
did not. And so I think from the jump, just knowing that he had that belief in me, probably believed in myself more than I even did. And yeah. So um, just for him to give me a chance and him to see that I could play at that level, um, it, it, I mean, I still to this day say I owe him because I, you know, just for him to give me that opportunity um, was something that I'll never take for granted. I'm going to say two things about Coach Ford, and I, I was only around him because of you and Marcus, but the first thing I'll say is Coach Ford never negative recruited. He never talked bad about another school when he recruited Phil. And then the second thing was he recruited Phil. He didn't recruit Phil yeah. because of Marcus. Phil was Phil. Phil went to Oklahoma State for Phil, and they wanted Phil. And those two things obviously paid out, you know, played out well for them. And it also, you know, I have a ton of respect for that staff on how they conducted themselves throughout the recruiting process because as we see through the FBI NCAA probes now, mm -hmm. recruiting recruiting is, is not always like that. And I, I respect Coach Ford for that and how he handled those those two things. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, uh, yeah. That's that's obviously, uh, yeah. It's good to know. I didn't, I mean, I didn't know that, but yeah, he he's always been truthful, truthful to me, and um, but just the relationship I think he has with his players is, is what makes him such a good coach, and he takes value in that. And um, it, it's just funny just to think. Like I look back, and I remember going through games, especially my junior senior year. We're playing Texas. We're playing Kansas. We're playing Baylor. You know, and West Virginia, and next thing you know, like, teams are running boxing one on me. Or they're, like, face guarding me. I'm like, here I am, a little short kid that nobody wanted. And now you guys are running boxing one on me? I was like, that, I was like, I'm, we're just going to kick out of that. And I was like, you guys never wanted to recruit me. And now here I am, you guys are playing boxing one on the smallest kid on the floor. And uh, <laughs> that was something I always, I remember me and my dad always going to get a kick out of. Yeah, man, that's awesome. And, you know, one thing about Phil, like, coaches, he, he had a chip on his shoulder as a player, but it, it never, you know, it never went to the dark side. Like, Phil played under control, but he had that chip on his shoulder, like, that that idea that no one wants me. Like, Phil kind of had that underdog mentality. And then, you know, as you guys saw as he matured, like, Phil got big, like, muscular and strong. You want to tell everybody kind of about um, – maybe your diet, your workout habits. Mm -hmm. um, I know we've talked about this before, and I've told coaches this before. Phil would literally feel sick if he did not work out. And that's I'm not saying that's healthy, <laughs> but that's the truth. Yeah. If he did not work yeah. out, he he would feel sick. And, coach, you know, Coach Henderson had to make him take a day off, you know, you know once every two years basically. So just talk about maybe the, your your – how you got your physique, how you, uh, how healthy you ate, uh, some things that maybe you sacrificed that in the long term didn't end up, they weren't sacrifices at all. You know, it was an investment. So right. Go ahead and talk about that a little right. bit. Yeah. And I just, you just talk about all the little things, you know, sleep, nutrition, um, all that. I knew I needed every single competitive edge. I wasn't good enough. wasn't fast enough. wasn't strong. I wasn't tall enough, you know, I was never going to be the most athletic. And so I knew I needed every single edge in order to have a chance. That doesn't even guarantee me anything. It's a chance to compete at the highest level. And I knew that. And so I knew my opponents weren't doing it. I know. So I needed that little edge no matter if it was my sleep, if it was eating the right food. 
um, you know, taking care of my body, ice baths, all that stuff adds up. And I think it just got to a point, especially when it comes about talking about shooting and just working out, it became more of a mental therapy type thing for me. You know, it was almost like you wake up, you brush your teeth, you know, you wash your face. Like that's what shooting was. It wasn't even like a question. Sure, there were days I didn't want to do it. I mean, I'm human. I, but it wasn't even for debate. It was like, I don't want to go to the gym. Like, no, I, I have to. Like, I might have had something on the schedule at 3 or 10, but I was going to make sure that I got my work in before that. And that's just how I viewed it. I just had, it was something I had to do where I mentally was not going to be able to function. And that's what it became more for me, was just going into every game knowing that I'm ready. You know, all the work, all the shooting, all the hours I put in, it was more just like a, give me a confidence going into every game knowing that I outworked every single person that I lined up against. Um, and I, I do remember, I think it was going into my junior year, the biggest thing for me was, I think, improving my lateral quickness. And I remember that summer was um, Coach Henderson pulled me aside, and we kind of really, he's like, this is what you need to work on. And so all summer, I remember we went to a, a guy, a training core type thing, and, you know, I'd go three, three, four days a week, and that's all we did was work on agility, explosiveness, core, and really trying to focus on that. And um, that was, I remember, our big turning point for me was and I knew you know I wasn't ever going to be the type of guy to pick my man up full court and take the like that wasn't my role. But I just had to be able to not be a liability. And you know it, I remember something else is you know, I think I ended up sixth all time in steals at Oklahoma State. And I was never the type of defender who was I was never a lockdown defender. But it, it, I just it was something that I just turned myself into and really focused on and. Um, because I knew I, it was just another reason to keep me on the court as long as I could just keep my guy in front of me. Man, and I think that was the biggest, yeah. biggest, biggest uh, challenge I had was just trying. Because every time I step on the court, every person looked at me and said, I could take it. Uh, that's the guy I'm going after. And so I knew that coming into every game. And so I had to make sure that I was ready, ready to face that. And, you know, every time we had a recruit come in, you know, the first pickup game you play, you know, everyone kind of sizes each other up every year. I'm going, I'm taking his spot. I'm taking his spot. And so that, that's just what it is. And, and in my head, I was like, I'm, re, I'm not letting anyone take my position. And, and, but coming in, that's, that's just how it was. And, um, but in my, in the back of my mind, I go, no one was going to work me. No one was going to prepare like I did. And there was no chance that any kid younger than me was coming to take my spot. And, um, but that's just how it works. That's just kind of the chip on my shoulder that I played with that I had. And that I had to have, honestly, probably to even right. um, have a chance to play at that level. Let's. I, I, I want to spend just a few more minutes talking about the defensive stuff, and then we'll wrap it up here pretty soon. And I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you uh, talk about St. Louis men's basketball a little bit here at the end. But uh, defensively, what were some of those tricks that you ended up learning to make yourself a, a good? I mean, you ended up being a good defender, and so. Was it, you know, I'm just going to give some examples that I remember when I played. And, and the game was a little bit different than when you when you played. When I played, it was it was very much slow down. Very, it was way more physical. Guys were bigger and stronger. There wasn't as much transition. And then, like, when we played, people did not run ball screen as a main offense. Ball screen was right. just end of clock. Yeah. Like, they were going to play two, with yeah. two posts. They were going to have a shooter. They were going to have another wing who is a slasher and a point guard, like very defined positions. 
and then it, it, you know by the time you were playing it opened up a little bit but just some things I remember as a defender like being super physical away from the ball when you're a small guy you get away with that um, <laughs> uh, another thing I, I right. thought of, another thing I thought of was like guys always played to their strengths and by the time you were an upperclassman in college you because of scouting report because of how much you've played you knew that that guy was going to drive right two dribbles go between the legs left hand one dribble before he passed like those types of you know instincts kind of came into play what what are some of those other tricks maybe defensively that allowed you to to step on the floor with guys that were physically you know more talented yeah i think you said i mean just watching so much film and just going into every game i knew what my the position I was guarding what he was going to do little tendencies just trying to be one or two plays ahead of the game I was just always just had to be the smartest guy on the floor um I was very good off the ball and that's probably where I, that's no there's no question it's where I got most of my steals I wasn't picking my guy up 94 feet turning him four times for half court you know, it was in the half court just anticipating playing off the ball um I was very good at if knowing which players on the court would like to spin. Yeah. And so going in every game and I would, if they started driving, I would time it. So every time they turn back, I'd just be sitting right there. The ball would be in my lap. And so just, um, you know, if the big had the ball in the post, and my man kind of cut, um, I'd probably stop right under the basket, turn around and he, I just pick him from the blind spot. He wouldn't see me. Mm-hmm. Just little things that you kind of pick up as you get older, you watch film, you get, more savvy and that's just that's where I got most of my steals is is doing just little tricks like that and just watching a lot of film and um never trying not to get beat going right yeah 95 <laughs> percent of the guys I played against are going right and they're better going right and so but if you're going to beat me you're going to beat me going left and you're going to beat me pulling up shooting a pull-up jump shot and that's right. the least per, that's the worst percentage shot in basketball right now so that's if you're going to do that then more power to you which that's going to happen. They, they practice too. They have good players too, but I was never going to be get, get beat going right. I tried to limit that as much as possible. And um, knowing, you know, if my guy's a shooter or not, little things like that, but just always being the smartest on the court is really what you know led to me slowly becoming uh, one of the better defenders on our team. Yeah. That's good. That's good advice, man. That off the ball stuff is key. Because you can make up for some things on the ball if you're good off the ball. Mm-hmm. That's that's good insight for players. Mm-hmm. What are uh, maybe three keys to success? Advice that you would give a high school player. So a guy that's uh, a good player and wants to be great at the high school level may have a chance to play at the college level, maybe not. But what what are some of the maybe the three things that you would tell just a normal high school kid that wants to be a a really good high school player? What's some advice? Obviously, you know, I think work ethic, that's the first thing. You've got to have that. Um, second is knowing what your coach wants you to do. You, you staying within your strengths and knowing, yeah, you know, you're just kind of work on your weaknesses, but knowing what it is that your coach wants you to do, because if you could do that great, you will play. doesn't matter what you think you can or can't do. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you think, because you're not the one that decides who plays. It, it, whatever that I would go in and ask that coach what it is you want me to do and go be great at it. And if you become great at it, then you'll play. You know, it, it's really a simple concept. And um, the last one would probably be listen and know how to listen, be able to take criticism and coaching. And we live in a society today that that's becoming a skill, and it's very hard to find sometimes with young players. Is 
anytime their coach wants to get on them, they, you know, they want to point the finger, they want to bark back, just take it. You know, just take it, move on to the next play. And um, because I promise you, if you have any dreams of playing college, it's 100 times worse. Yes, it so is. So <laughs> just, just, just be able to take it, move on. Most coaches, you know, I can't speak for all, but they have a very short memory. So they're moving on to the next play. You know, they got so they got to coach a team. So if you if they yell at somebody, you get jumped, whatever, they're on to the next play because they got a coach. And so they, if the coach moves on, you need to move on as well. And um, I think just being able to to constantly just be a sponge and absorb as much as you can, and just being able to learn is one of the the best skills that you could have as a player. That's awesome, man. Work ethic, coachability. Play to your strengths. That's Play to your great. strengths. That's good. Well, Phil, you sound like a coach, man. Goodness gracious. Yeah, I got a ways to go. I got a ways to go. You sound like a real coach now, man. That is that is scary. That is that is yeah, I'm, time, I'm, time flies. I'm not even, I'm not even going to say some of the things that you guys did in high school. So, mm-hmm. but, but, uh, yeah, you, like um, <laughs> you want to talk a little bit about uh, St. Louis men's basketball here? Uh, some of the things that you guys were able to yeah. accomplish this past season. I mean, you got a thousand coaches listening to this podcast from the state of Texas. You would think one of them mm-hmm. maybe has a college player that uh, that need, needs yeah. a spot or, or what's yeah. a spot. And so Absolutely. just kind of, just kind of, yeah. Fill everybody in on on what y'all accomplished this mm-hmm. year. You know what you, what you guys are inside the NCAA purview. Obviously, talk about what you can right. in regards to your program. Right. Yeah, you know, obviously this is uh, we're in a great spot right now. This was Coach Ford's third year here. We um, went to the NCAA tournament. Actually, won our conference tournament to get in. So we won four games in four days to punch our ticket into the tournament and um, ended up losing to Virginia Tech. Won 23 games this year. Um, We got things we've improved every year. Every single year the past three years, our record has improved. I believe when he took the program over, um, you know, they had taken last or second to last place back-to-back years. So the turnaround has been a challenge, but it's been something that, I think has been a very fast turnaround. You know, to make the tournament in three years, I think is um, is very hard to do when taking over a new program. But you know, we're in a great city. Um, you know, St. Louis has a lot of a lot of talented basketball players, so it definitely helps us for recruiting purposes. Um, you know, we play national televised games, have a great non-conference schedule, play in Atlantic Ten, which is usually about a three-bid league mm-hmm. on average per year. So you know, we play we play good teams as well, and uh, no, so we're just trying to build. I think that's the thing that now you try to get that consistency. You know, so we made the tournament at least once. So now you want to try to get to where that's the expectation, and now you want to try to win a game or two in the tournament. And um, so just continue to build off off of the success that we had, and kind of make it an expectation, and not something that happens once every four or so years. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, we're in a great spot right now. I like where the program's heading, like the direction it's going. We got a lot of momentum, a lot of positive energy around the school, the campus, the city. And, you know, we, we call ourselves the NBA team in St. Louis. There's no NBA team here, and so we are the NBA team. We get great attendance here. Um, have a arena that seats about a little over 10,000. You know, it's a Big 12 arena. If you were to walk in it, you would be shocked. 
you know, if uh, we have concerts and stuff in there all the time, and so facilities are great here. So there's a lot going for us right now. Um, we did the locker room last year, and so it's a very good time to be part of this program. And so now we just got to keep uh, building off the brief success that we've had and kind of continue just to run with it from there. That's awesome, man. I'm so happy for you and your program. Got a chance to watch uh, the NCAA tournament game, but also uh, three out of the four conference tournament games and you guys defensively would get in people and then you had guys make shots yeah. I mean we talked about that you know back in the fall a little bit man we just got to have some guys make some timely shots and y'all did had some guys come through in the clutch and shoot the ball well in that tournament and it's always fun when the team gets on the roll on a roll because then everybody's on the same page so that uh yeah. I know that helps a lot well Phil love you man thank you so much for your time this is great talking to you and catching up and I know the coaches are going to benefit from the podcast here. Yeah, absolutely, Coach. As always, good hearing from you, and uh, thanks for having me on, on the on the podcast.